0: Hello, welcome to episode number 349 of the Apollo podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Before we get started, please don't forget to go to thelodoc.gumroad.com slash l slash smb to go get Song for Song, Shakespeare My Butt. It is out now. Go get the digital download of the mini one-hour documentary featuring interviews with band members of The Lowest of the Low and Indy Koyama, who was the producer of the classic album, shakespeare my butt the link is in the description or the lodoc.gumroads.com slash l slash smb this podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Get convenient, safe, and secure online counseling today. You can connect with a therapist of your choosing in minutes by taking the online survey. Use the code word APOLOG to get seven days for free when you go to betterhelp.com slash You can support my work on a monthly basis by going to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. You can cancel any time. Go buy some merchandise at applelog.ca slash shop and iTunes. Don't forget iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to uh, um, subscribe, rate, and review the show on those two mediums, wherever one you want. Uh, give it five stars, please, and a review. Give it a review because that's what makes the world turn caring and sharing. Speaking of sharing, like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod, follow me on Twitter at Simonhead and Instagram at Simonhead six six six, and Spotify. We're on Spotify now. About fifty episodes are on Spotify, and you can go there just by searching Apple Podcast on Spotify. Today on the show, I have Christina Dare and Eric Meekham. I think... I'm sorry if I butchered your name there, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mecham. Mecham. It's not Meachim. If it's Meechim, then I'm corrected. Then I've said it right both at least once. They're in the band called Cold Weather Captains. They've just released a new single called Venom, and you can go check that out as of September 22nd, which I believe will be this podcast will be out by that point. They're a great group. They're a good bunch of people, and it was fun to talk to them on this show in... If you want more of that, keep coming back to the show. And ladies and gentlemen, Christina and Eric from Cold Weather Captains on the Uplab Podcast. Crazy busy, but uh, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Um,
1: yeah, and, thanks for having us. And
0: I've started. So you're Toronto-based, right? Yes. yes. How Are you all from Toronto, or did you move in from somewhere to be in Toronto? Uh,
1: so for myself, my family and myself grew up about an hour north of Toronto, so like what? in the King City area. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've been living like in Toronto for over a decade now. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Eric?
2: Uh, Mississauga, born and raised. Nice. And uh, same with Brad, our lead guitar, and Kevin also, and Justin grew up in Etobicoke, our lead singer. So
0: West, uh, West, West Toronto. There all used to be a divide between East Toronto, and West Toronto. they all used to be like, <laughs> I'm East York proud. And then, get out of here burlington people you know (laughs) Uh, oh
2: no one wanted to venture from one side to the other because it's like oh scarborough like i'm not going there i'll get shot i
0: gotta gotta take a different bus it doesn't even look like the bus that's out there yeah it's always a big a big issue so um how how um how how many years have you guys been around as a band
1: i'll let you answer that eric (laughs)
2: Sure. as a five-piece band we we met just over two years ago um so Christina and Justin came into the mix uh, about pretty much exactly two years ago. And that's when we started writing uh, songs for this album and really getting uh, started on this this new venture. Uh, but I've been working with our lead guitarist for about 20 years. Uh, he, We've been playing guitar almost every week, you know, continuously for about 20 years together, just writing and, uh, and jamming together. So we have a great connection. And about uh, eight, nine years ago, we added a drummer. And, um, you know, we, again, we're just slowly adding. We're hoping we'd make a band at some point in time. And, you know, <laughs> 20 years later, we, we finally found a great stride. Um, so it's just being patient for the right people at the right times, you know, and I, I feel we, we write very well together. We all work together as a team and, you know, everyone picks up the gauntlets that we have to at the time. So, like everyone steps up to the plate. So it's been really nice.
0: It's important for indie bands, right? You have to sort of mm-hmm. everybody needs to have a job, and everybody needs to sort of have their place and to do, you know, whether it be drive the vehicle or sell the merch or make sure that everything is together when it comes to management stuff. And I, I'm assuming you guys are, are self managed. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so having having a band out in today's time, as opposed to two years ago, we don't need to talk about what happened two years ago. Um, <laughs> we shall not mention the magical P word. Um, but because uh, everybody talked about how it was like, oh, I found a new way to invent myself. I'm like, come on! It was the most boring times for podcasts because everybody was reinventing themselves. You know, not everybody was inventing themselves. I'm positive of it. Um, but to be able to sort of come out of it now and sort of have it in perspective, um, are you are you folks different people? How did how did it all how did it work out for you? Well, for myself, I
1: was. Because of the P word, I um, was actually in a band that ended up dispersing. And uh, this band that I was in prior was called Spiral Palace. Um, we just eventually, when lockdowns happened, we ended up dispersing as a band. And I was kind of left bandless for a while. And uh, that's sort of how I ended up in in Weather Captains, to be honest. And I think I've grown a lot as a musician during this band because everyone is so so skilled at their instruments and such great songwriters and such great people to play with that i think i definitely came out better on the other end of things as a result
0: yeah I, how about you eric
2: oh it's been a fun experience for me it's it's like someone threw jet fuel into my into my car you know it's <laughs> we've been i've been waiting for for something like this to happen for a while and you know to bring in some some players like especially a lead singer and a bass player and other that rhythm section like we were missing chris for so long like having a solid bass player that not only can can hang with you rhythmically but she's great at writing and she's great at jamming things out and really hashing ideas out uh so when we write we all write together and uh it it can be it could be a tough at times it's a slug fest, you know for a couple hours we're just going through and and rewriting rewriting reworking, and everyone has that that mentality of okay, well, let's keep going until it's refined enough that we're happy with it, and then next week we'll do it again, you know so it's um it's it's been a lot of fun I, I've really enjoyed it and and through the whole um keyword you know it was great for me because i have I have young kids, yeah, uh, mine are eight and five, and it was such a great time for me to spend so much of it with my little guys and uh you know it's just it it took a lot of the daily busyness away and uh it gave room again to focus a lot on my family and then this came out as well so this was a really beautiful surprise you know coming out Mm -hmm. and we were we just started prepping for about a year at the at the tail end of it and then once everything lifted we started playing live, so we played. We started last June was our first show. Where what? Where whereabouts? It was at the Rivoli yeah.
1: for yeah,
0: <laughs> love the Rivoli. Brandon, Brandon must have booked you then. Brendan Fife. Oh.
1: Uh, Well, because it was part of the Canadian Music Week. Uh, um, I guess it was whoever was running that in the back end. But it was definitely a very... uh, It set the bar very high for shows for us, because it was a great venue, great festival, and we were also playing with two other really great bands, um, Mm. Harmonies and Texas King. So uh, that was a really great intro for our band to, to finally join the Toronto music scene, and we've kind of been riding that wave ever since, I would say.
0: So that was your first like real legitimate show. Legitimate is the wrong word, but that's your first actual, <laughs> first sorry. Ever. First yeah, ever. Yeah, those
1: are our first gig. As, yeah, yeah, As, Cold Weather as a band, yeah. Yeah. But, but no, nobody's first gig. Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's
0: super nervous in the back. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I've had so many great adventures at Rivoli. I'm actually having one there on Wednesday. I'm showing my movie there, um, a documentary on Lois of the Low. So uh, it's uh, coming out on Wednesday. Yeah, so I'm very excited to, uh, to go there. I have seen some of the greatest shows of my life at the Rivoli, one of them being a band called Monine. They played there, uh, part of Canadian Music Week, ironically enough, and it was one of the greatest performances by a band I've ever <clears throat> seen at the Rivoli. Um, also played many many shows there, saw many many shows. Like Bad Religion played there. I saw Bad Religion play at oh, the wow. at the at the at the Rivoli. Um, <laughs> yeah, great great place. It's as long as I remember. It's been such a a good part of you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to be, to sort of, it's funny how you say introduce yourselves to the Toronto music scene. Is, is there a scene? Does the scene exist?
1: Oh, I, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think after the great P word, uh, things definitely changed a little bit from prior to that. Um, I think a lot of people were very busy practicing and getting better during lockdowns because mm-hmm. when things opened back up again, I was, stunned by the amount of talent that i was coming across at just like regular old open mics um and the bands that have been coming out with like new music and just bands that kind of formed during that um that whole thing um but i would very much say that there is there's a toronto music scene for sure and it's growing and I really kind of feel like, and I've, <laughs> I've said this many times to many different people now, but I almost kind of feel like there's like a little bit of like a renaissance going on for music in Toronto right now, where there's like a ton of really big talent that's coming up, and I think it's only a matter of time before like our scene kind of explodes again. I would say, at least that's what I'm hoping, but that's sort of what I'm experiencing um, from my perspective. And what do you, how do you
0: attribute that, that type of uh, insight? How do you, how do you, you know, because I agree, but how do you, how did you, how do you come to that?
1: I think I just came to that when I sat in an open mic, oh gosh, where was it, um, at Bar Cathedral. They do their Monday night open mics and every person that went up on stage, I was just like, just shocked. I've never heard of them, didn't know who they were before, um, wasn't like didn't meet them prior to like the pandemic um and so when i saw these people coming up one after the other just like being great talents i was like this wasn't like this before it used to be you would go to an open mic and you would see one or two really really good artists and then other people who not that they were bad necessarily they were just clearly still working through their their own thing Mm -hmm. and I was just seeing a lot of polished talent kind of one after the other. And, and it has been like that when I go see shows regularly or when I do f- go to open mics, um, I'm just seeing so much really amazing talent and not just amazing talent, but really, really supportive and great musicians, like people that want to build a community, people that after you get up on stage, they want to meet you and share contacts and like share your contact information. Um, stay in touch on social media. Like it really does, there's that communal feeling versus before when I was just kind of on the, the scene, um, not in the way I am now, but I always found it very intimidating to interact with people. And I found some people to be very standoffish, but I do not get that anymore at all. I find mm-hmm. people very welcoming. um, very eager to like network and connect with people and collab with people. So it's, my experience now is very different than what it was like like a decade ago.
0: That's interesting because I know a lot of people left town. I know a lot of people like so mm-hmm. went back home. Um, people like who were like the infrastructure of like servers and technicians and all these people that were living there they couldn't afford to live there anymore and they moved and maybe a vacuum was created. Like, what do you think? Like for that's,
1: that? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I feel like it definitely is smaller for sure um we certainly come across the same people at shows and um it's definitely a smaller considering the size of toronto the, the music community is pretty small but yeah you're right i think that might have to do something with the fact that a lot of people did kind of skip town once uh, things started getting really really expensive and prior to lockdowns and everything but mm. if you're you make a good point it might be a little bit of a vacuum that was created
0: just a good one stuck around. maybe there was a test like, like okay play me a g minor seventh oh oh well, you're pretty good you can stay
1: that is my favorite chord
0: <laughs> it's that it's not like b minor seventh, which is the saddest of all chords if you've ever oh, seen C-. it's a sad chord it says nigel Tufner of spinal tap well i have the record here um i did notice there's like a there's a few nods to like that first song has got to be a nod to pink floyd it's got to be uh, a nod. Which
1: first song, Venom? Venom, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got, I feel like there's- <laughs> It's got
0: one of these days all over it. Dun, 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 dun. It does.
1: I'm gonna say it. That, that's a, I mean, a huge compliment, because I love that that song. And even though it's very simple on the bass, it's definitely something that had inspired me as a songwriter, just like that. Oh, like. Yeah.
0: It's got slide guitar. I mean, it, yeah, we could play the two yeah. together. I'm like, man, it feels like you've just completely taken the spirit of that. And that's, that's awesome. Because not a lot of people <laughs> do that, that sort of nod to that type of Pink Floyd. Usually it's like, you know, it's, you know, the other stuff, like The Wall and <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. And my favorite album is is Animals. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up with punk rock, but I also grew up with older brothers, which means I had to listen to older, like, classic rock and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um Well let's let's take a listen to it. So now we've talked about it. It's four minutes long. As you guys, you know, you're not older, but have you? Is there a new perspective on music for you as a as an artist versus your life and quality of life? Like, you you first, Eric, let me know.
2: Sure, um, it's it's kind of a two part for me now that I am getting older. I'm I'm pushing forty this coming year, and uh, the beautiful part is I found the older I get, the less I care about what people think about my music, and it gives me the freedom. <laughs> to really put forward something that I'm proud of, something that I love and that I would love to listen to myself. So I'm not too worried what other people are going to think. I'm very confident with the band we have now that, you know, we can produce a great sound. We have a great vibe. It's something that when I listen to it, at least part of me is grooving to it. And it's something I can really identify with and and really vibe with. So that was a great change i'd say over the last 10 years for me to get over that that musician's fear you know that everyone has is just like oh is this good enough or what are they gonna think yep uh i needed time to get over that and it was yeah it's kind of like a fear thing right for for musicians even though i've been playing all my life um and playing at church since i was like i don't know six or seven in front of hundreds of people all the time but it was never my music Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's that's where it's like this is 100 percent ours, the five of us. And um, having my kids behind, they are my biggest fans. They sing all of our songs. They know everything. And then they're able to come to some of the gigs. And for me to be able to role model um, dad doing what he loves, finding that balance with our family and work life and everything else, um, they're really enjoying it right? Because we we found a balance over the last two years where it doesn't take away from family time, you know, as it is not hurting that Mm -hmm. it has a good spot. And my wife is insanely supportive of what we're doing. So again, like I have full support at home, and they love what I'm doing. uh, And they love being a part of it whenever they can. So for me, it's been a very positive uh, move in this direction, you know, doing gigs, doing recording, again, challenging at times, but um you got to go through those little painful months to have those victories right
0: i agree christina Mm -hmm. you're up
1: well uh for myself i've been kind of thinking about exactly what you're asking a lot lately because so i'm i'm now 31 and i constantly keep finding myself thinking like i wish I wish I had this confidence and I wish I had this band and I wish I had what we have going on when I was like earlier in my twenties, because I, I definitely didn't have any of that going for me back then. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I try not to get wrapped up in like the woulda, coulda, shouldas of life. I think that I am where I need to be right now and everything has worked out because it is the way it should be. Um, but yes, with that said, there are times when I think about like I wish I had a little bit more of like the freedom I did when I was younger and didn't have like, you know, all the responsibilities I do in like my adult life, that I could just 100% focus my energies into to music. But kind of similar to Eric, I've found a way to make it work in my life. I also have a very supportive partner. Um, I don't currently have children, but so I'm sure that is one of the reasons why I'm able to make it work right now. Um, but we'll see what happens if eventually I do have kids of my own if I can make that work. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that it would be really great to just continue seeing where it goes and maybe my perspective is gonna change in another 10 years. Maybe I'll have this new different kind of confidence and I'll feel differently about you know the work that we've done so far. But I think for now I'm just happy where where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with both of you. I think. I think the fact that the honesty in making music is something that has a very strong, for me, like a a bullshit detector. I can detect when somebody's writing for the people and not writing for themselves. Mm. And, 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 you know, and honesty is a big thing when it comes to, especially when you're expressing yourself artistically. Um, I'm sure Van Gogh wasn't going like, I think they like these stars. I'm going to start painting these a little here. And all these sunflowers are really taking off. You know, although he did paint many versions of sunflowers, but the fact is, is that, that, that type of artistic expression should come from one place. And that's like, we're creating art and art is something that people should appreciate for what it's worth. And, and, and a lot of people are smarter than that, that they'll, they also will say like, I don't like this because it doesn't feel right. So I think that's the Renaissance that we're talking about—that people are sort of understanding. Like, there's an honesty in music. There's an honesty in art because everything is so artifice. There's so much or there's so much fakeness in the world. What do you got? You know, all you have is music and in poetry and art and, and something to look at and something to listen to. Don't go there. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that should be so personal for people. And maybe that's the Renaissance that we need or is happening, where people are starting to wake up a little bit and go, "Wow, this is." this is this i i can i can hitch my wagon to this type of music because it feels good not because my friends like it you know that's what i have kids too my kids are 20 and 17 so they that you know eric your kids eventually will start thinking you're not cool anymore believe me i can be i am a model of that person my son was like you're the coolest dad and he turned 13 i was like persona non grata but anyways i digress i i feel that you know to be able to sort of um yeah, be able to have your work and your life and your art, have it all balanced beautifully. That's that's what we all kind of really, really aspire to.
2: Yeah, and I, Simon, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about being honest. Because I think there's a lot of pressure, especially in the social media circles, to follow, you know, a, a certain pattern of what's hot, and what's not, and you know, kind of be a follower of what everyone else is doing. And I, I we've we've gone the complete opposite direction of that. And um, I'm very proud that we are not, I would consider whatever mainstream music is, we play the styles that we want to play and we mash them all together. It's just, it's very eclectic when we, and we haven't nailed ourselves down to a style. If you've listened to the whole album, it's, you know, every song is a little bit different than the next. And uh, we always heard over the last year, it's like, oh, you sound like a little bit of this band, a little bit of that band, a little bit of that band. And that's a, a huge... We, we take that as a huge compliment yeah right not to be nailed down to uh, not every song sounds the same we're not just the one genre doing the same thing all the time
1: yeah we always say like <laughs> we would never sound like one band we always sound like three or four bands like no one ever will say one there's always a mix mm-hmm. so i think that's when you're you're kind of edging on to something more i don't know i don't really want to say the word unique but i guess the word is like our own sound and i think that's what we're still trying to figure out but i think we're very slowly getting there well
0: you, you need to do that with experimentation too like you got to be <laughs> able to write songs and go i like where this went i'm going to go off in this direction to learn what that means and maybe try to make something out of that idea and then you start getting into concepts where it's like all right well now we're telling stories as artistic. i'm not saying it's like a progression but that's that's the route people take i'm not saying it's always good i mean I, uh, the question I had is, is there more than one songwriter in your band? Because if there's only one, then that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I guess we're, we're all songwriters, yeah. really. So you um, kind of come
0: with like a song and everybody kind of works through it. It's like that type of process where democracy is uh, is key.
1: Um uh, like I like to think it's a democracy, but I feel like there's also some opinions that are stronger than others <laughs> in the group, <laughs> i.e., <you> myself. <laughs> but, uh, I think everybody, everybody contributes equally. Um, Justin Saker does most of the lyric writing and he is quite the wordsmith. I'll give him a lot of credit there. He writes lyrics like nobody I've ever met. Um, Eric always finds like a really cool riff or just vibe that he brings in and then we'll kind of jam over it. Um, same with Brad, our lead guitarist. Like, he's a phenomenal lead guitarist and sometimes we'll just come in with like a very casual riff that will turn into a song or i'll come in with a bass line that we'll jam over and we'll turn into a song so there's i think jamming like for a lot of bands is is pretty typical way of like process that you song right but that's definitely been our bread and butter is just jamming it out until we find something cool
0: yeah that's good that's good Mm because if there's one person coming in and running the show then it's it's I you know I take that it, I take it back a little bit but I just for the, all those the the sort of influences that I hear in it it's like there I knew there must have been more than one song <laughs> person coming with songs, which is which is great. I mean, bands like the Real Statics had that you used three different bands in the Real Statics, you know. And you listen to them and you're like, oh yeah, that's a that's a Dave Bedini song or that's a Martin Tielli <laughs> song or you know what I mean? That's a Tim Vestley song. There's like, there's so much influence happening with just the members of the band and that's to me is like it's really cool because you never run out like if someone gets songwriters blocked then it's like oh it's okay we got three or four more people here that can start contributing and maybe spark the juices again
1: we've definitely experienced that where we hit sort of a wall and then someone will come up with an idea and then there we are for another hour figuring something out so it is cool to have a lot of different um different strengths and skills and influences and backgrounds. It's all kind of like being mishmashed together. Mm-hmm. I think it's sort of one of our strengths as a band for sure. Mm-hmm. So what, we,
2: go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. We, we've also gone down the other road of, you know, we've been writing for me, Brad and I for 20 years and, and writing for like seven, eight years with, with Kevin as well, our drummer, uh, before we had Kristen and Justin. So it's like, we have this huge arsenal of, Um, ideas and it's like okay well let's throw one out today and see if it's something sticks to the wall with our two hot players and see what you know if we can make something out of that and and Venom is a remake of um, a tune that we did prior and Mm -hmm. um, we just did a show at the Alma combo on Friday our album release show and we revised again another tune but like it just sounds complete now it's like we had an idea but again, it's, we don't have the key players. And now we have everyone. And, it, and it's just firing at all cylinders now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we were just waiting for you to get here and just push it over that edge. <laughs> and to me, that gets me really excited, because it's been on the back burner just waiting. You know, It's like I, can, like, I have a vision for this, and, but I, I need their vision as well right, to throw their, their style into it. And that's been really cool.
0: That's the power of being in a band. Is that that's awesome. Everybody, it's all respect, and it's in, and you know, for the better part, it's artistic differences kind of make some artistic amazingness, and and that is what it's all about. You know, art's tricky and messy. You know what I mean? When you make it, not everybody can really associate themselves with it, but that's what makes it so cool.
2: You know, mm-hmm. Simon, how have you found uh, the, your writing experience? Because you've been in a lot of bands over your. Your history,
0: I the first bands I played in, i I was merely a bass player that added parts, my parts. and then I started my own band, and I just started off because I kind of play everything as a solo thing. and then I got a band together. but i I still i, I um a friend of mine calls it it's a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> so I kind of come and I got like ninety nine percent of it figured out. and my songwriting friend and partner, would help me with lyrics and then help making my tr- stream of consciousness, consciousness make sense. And that's how I kind of like, I, I generally play into a, I used to play into my answering machine. Now I got my phone. So I'd play all songs <laughs> in my answer machine and then I'd take it and then I, I would take it and then send it to my friends and I'd send messages on their phones. and like, you know, it was like, that's how we used to trade music back in the old days. Um, <laughs> so, so for me, it's very inspirational. And when I thought, I would always get if I got to the like I would write a verse and a chorus and then if I got to the bridge and a bridge just sort of popped out, the song was a keeper. It always was. No matter what, if I could get to a bridge based on inspiration of what those that verse and chorus could get me to, (laughs) or actually two verses and two choruses, then I knew I was onto something. So then I you know because I own all the gear, I would go down to my basement and bang it out and then send it off to the to the dudes and they would have their say in it and and that that to me was that was how we worked. And it's not always the right way. I loved, I thought it would be great to do a record where we wrote the songs and we recorded them right away, you know, and then do like a live off the floor thing. And no one would, no one wanted to do that. I'm like, you guys are chicken. Let's do it. it. (laughs) We got all the time. We got free equipment. Let's do it. You know? And that to me was like kind of an inspiring way of just like, we're under the gun. We need to make a record. Like you've watched, you've watched Get Back, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. And you see how they wrote a classic album in what, 16 days? And they mm-hmm. took four days off in that 16 days. It's it's incredible. You can see like Paul McCartney writing Get Back. Like, I, I got to I tell you, we were watching it down here, and I was yelling at my TV, like, it might as well have be been the greatest football play of all time. <laughs> and I'm yelling at my family, like, there's a story, look at this. And, and they were like, yeah, whatever. He's writing a good song. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
1: It's so true. They took four days off and then a lot of that documentary, they were still dicking around.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They weren't even playing proper versions of the songs. And then they show the last, whatever, 20 minutes of the movie. They do the show and they kept like, whatever, four or five songs from that 20 minute show they played. Then they went downstairs the next day, by the way. It wasn't that, it felt like it was, they sort of went down and recorded the rest of the album. All that happened the day after. But then they Mm -hmm. did like, uh, you know what I mean? You and me, they did like, Long and winding road. It's like, um, it to me that it's baffling, and it's such a payoff. Even though it's fifteen hours long, it's a it's a mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was it was such was a good long. way. Yeah. As a musician, right, you got to look at that and go, man, man, there's a reason why they were the Beatles. You know what I mean? All those mm-hmm. songs and all that power, and they were 28 years old. Paul McCartney was 28 years old when he wrote "Get Back." Incredible, yep.
2: amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, so- Simon, have you found? Uh- so again, going through that process, like we just went through that as well, uh, the production process and post-production and all of that treatment. But in your experience, you know, has, as your song structures, styles, you know, when you go from start in the studio to a finished production, uh, what has your experience been like? Has there been a lot of, is it transformational or is it more or less, you know, what you put in is what's coming out at the end?
0: I always notice that people you recall it you ever heard of chasing the demo or like the demo yeah, yeah where the demo is yeah. like so good, and then you're trying yep. to chase the demo <laughs>
1: that's a horrible
0: feeling it is a horrible feeling like i I released a record, I actually pitched a record to a label in Sweden. And I sent them demos and they go, oh, this is great. We're going to put this out. And I'm like, no, 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 these are the demos. And, like they go, and then they put up the money so we could record the whole record. And I was like forever like concerned and worried that I'm going to send this thing in that it's like, it, we like the demos better, you know, because that's the way I kind of felt halfway through it. And I'm like, I think the demos are better. But that to me is, that's the process. I mean, it's like a, it's like. I've been noticing with this movie I'm doing, it's like, you just got to let it go. You got to let the thing be the thing, you know what I mean? And let it do the thing it's going to do and don't try to like reinvent something. And I've always been like, once we move forward, it's really tough to move back and correct something structurally or sonically. It's the way it is. And sometimes it's easier just to re-record the song. You know what I mean? If it's not working out or throw it away. Have you heard the wither without you story, the U2 story where they were re- recording "Wither without you and, and they hated it so much. And there's like 20 different versions of it that Brian Eno would basically put all the tracks and recordings ready to hit record to erase that whole song that was on Joshua Tree. And they all had to like stop and pull his hands away. Like, no! But that's sort of the feeling that I get sometimes in music that's like, it's easier just to do it again sometimes. How about you guys?
1: We're definitely going through that right now. Um, or we went through that with our album. There was one song that we cut from the album so there's 10 songs on it there should have been 11 and that was a song that we just felt wasn't captured the way that we wanted when we were recording it we felt like it maybe needed to be reworked more um but yeah like for for sure and i i think eric could probably talk about that more than i can but just when you you feel like a song isn't where where it needs to be or it didn't capture like that thing that you were hoping to capture
2: and we were ambitious because we had three full days at Union and we recorded 11 tracks. And it it was live, off, li- the floor. live, live
1: off, the floor. off the floor
2: all together mm-hmm. with our singer, all five of us together. And it was a tall order. Like, those were long days. They were a heck of a lot of fun. They were great, very challenging. And we had Alex Gamble. He was our producer. Uh, Chris has worked with him before, but it was our first time. And man, I'm so glad we had him. He was uh, such a mentor and uh, such a positive influence to help push us through and help guide us through this process. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, as you know, live off the floor, there's a whole different set of pressure to yeah. be bang on, but at the same time, have it feel natural. And, you know, that that's very difficult to do together. Um, especially, it's, yeah, it's a lot of money and it's a little bit of time with a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. And,
2: yeah, yeah I found, like, we had to cut one and we had like two other two or three at least that were on the chopping block when we got to the, you know, listening to the stems and it's like, ah, it's not quite there. It needs something more, you know, it's like, it's not, it could be better, but do we shelve (laughs) it for the next album or do we finish it now because we're here now and Mm. we could do it. So, um, so we needed some extra rewrite time, which we didn't have, but we, um, we 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 found time um and alex was again a, a huge help and uh for, for at least for me cuz i got to kind of co-produce it with him and then all the i guess final arrangements uh the ben very gracefully left that in my hands (laughs) i was like i'm sure everyone was nervous at that point it's like Mm -hmm. oh my god what is eric going to do to our album (laughs) you know like once you hear the in-betweens i'm like it's not quite there yet but have a listen and you know okay well going
1: back to what you said simon about like at a certain point you just have to let it go and let it be it is what it is Mm -hmm. um we very much had to do that with this album especially knowing we were being very ambitious with wanting to record 11 songs in three days um, and release it with only like within a year. Like we, we restarted recording in March. We finished in May and I think all the post-production was over the summer and we're releasing it in September. So yeah, it was six months really this process. Um, But at a certain point, you just have to accept what your music is, what your song is, accept that you spent the money already and you spent the time and just release it move on to the next project. So I know I don't just speak for myself, but the whole band is very, very excited to get to this next phase um, after this album release of writing new music.
0: That is the reward, is saying, I can do better, and we are going to do better. And although this this is great, it is good to have high aspirations. Um mm-hmm. as you can probably see our our interview window is closing. But um I can see we got about 2 minutes, 3 minutes left. Okay. But I this has flown by. Um I I really, you know, I like the record it's it's amazing and you guys have you know for well it's 3 days of core recording and then finish ups and fix ups and and all the other mm-hmm. that's that's the time waster. It takes like like if you use oh, there you go 5 minutes. If you use the house analogy, it takes like a day to put up a house but it takes a year to finish it you know and that is that's most that's where all the work is in the detail and uh, and also the whole networking and and interviewing and doing this stuff and making sure people know and and you know spending your money wisely is uh is important you know uh <laughs> it sounds like you know you, you you folks are doing great and uh you know i i appreciate bands that that still keep doing it because we need that. We need that stuff. We need art and culture in our life. Believe it or not, we need that stuff. You know, it's part of the economic backbone of this world um, is being happy, you know, and that's what art should do. Agreed.
1: Totally agree. Totally um, agree. <laughs> well, I'm
0: going to play another song, but um, I'll play it once the, uh, when we've done the interview, so then we can keep our, keep it going, but we should wrap True. it up. And I appreciate you you folks coming on and, and, uh, and having a conversation about, your band, and uh, where where are you playing next?
2: Casaloma, actually, on September 28th. Sweet. Like yeah. in Casaloma? Yep. Wow. I didn't we know actually, there was a venue there.
1: We played there um, last month for their Soul in the City event. We were like a special guest, mm-hmm. which was very nice to be a part of, and I guess they want us to come back, so they're having an event there, and so we're going to be playing at that.
0: Amazing. We're inside. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like this beautiful kind of cool room and like a.
1: Probably. <laughs> I,
2: I think we, we still might be out in the gardens. Oh. Uh, they, they have a huge glass pavilion. Yeah. Uh, so in the summer they set up tables and, you know, have lots of drinks and food and stuff. And, and they have a huge concert every week for, for the folks. Uh, so I think we're still going to be back there, but it's all, all going to be done up as a haunted mansion. Amazing. So a bit mm-hmm. of a spooky twist.
0: Very cool. If I was in town, I'm not in town that that week, so i will uh but yeah i I will try to i'm gonna get this out by next Monday, so it should be good. It should all work out for timing wise so uh. oh wonderful
2: Dude, well awesome. one of the next shows that you can make, we'd love to, we'd love to uh we'll let you know and yeah. we'll make sure that you're on guest list come in, and all first uh, first couple drinks are on us, uh, Simon. yeah amazing.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate that. thank you so much for mm-hmm. for doing the doing the show and uh and we'll, we'll keep in touch
2: absolutely
1: thanks again for the opportunity yeah thank you very nice chatting
0: and that was eric and christina from the band cold weather captains go check out their new single venom which we'll probably find on all streaming platforms they are a cool band and i really enjoyed talking to them thank you very much thank you very much thank you very much for doing the show Folks, I... Yeah, I'm fixing my headphones. My headphones are all fucked up. So, anyways, what's happening? Um, I got the documentary coming out. It is now in, coming out in T-minus two days. Um, three years in the making. And I am kind of shitting my pants a little bit. And I hope that you, everybody listening to the show, um, somewhere within Southern Ontario, would come and watch a screening digital download has been set i haven't fully announced it yet um but it'll be probably around the middle of november when the actual digital release will be coming out and a few more screenings happening between then uh, i think one's coming to i i have the 20th is at the rivoli there's two screenings first one sold out uh, 23rd in oshawa 27th in buffalo 28th in london ontario 29th at the gorge cinema Thirtieth in Van Cleek Hill at the Tap House, uh, part of Bo's All Natural presents. That should be fun. I don't drink anymore, so but it'll be fun for some people. I'm sure of it. And so I hope I hope everybody who's listened to this far will understand that uh I remember the fact that I have been working three years on this documentary. So uh, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a dance in all this all this time. I've been pumping this thing up and trying to make it work. But anyways. It's not about me it's about the band called by the captains everybody go check them out love them okay have a good one bye